Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Good afternoon, and thanks again for for joining me uh, this afternoon as uh, we continue the series this week. Every day still here, 3 p.m. on 770 CHQR. Mental health on the front lines, some things you just can't speak about. Although uh, many of us try our best when it comes to mental health, um, we're only trying to do better and to encourage more people to do just that. And more than anything, support our frontline workers. And all week we have been trying to draw some parallels from the work that has been done in our country for military veterans as sort of a microcosm to, to ways forward, to the path forward to um, treating uh, mental health issues, operational stress injuries, Amongst our frontline workers, doctors, nurses, other hospital staff, firefighters and paramedics, police officers. So we're going to dive into that yet again today as we do speak uh, with a a veteran of the Canadian military, uh, someone here in Alberta, Steve Critchley, who has um, founded an equine therapy centre north of Calgary, Canpraxis. We'll be talking to him in just a little bit. Uh, I want to uh, bring some attention to... Uh, I think something that is is pretty obvious at this point, as far as mental health is concerned. Uh, Morneau Chappelle, uh, just in the last day, announced the December results of its monthly mental health index. Uh, and it reveals that Canadians' mental health continues to decline for the ninth consecutive month. So basically, as long as we have been in COVID and uh, in and out of lockdown as social creatures... That mental health rated as continuing to decline. Uh, Some of the findings of their December survey, about 36% of Canadian workers reported being concerned about a co-worker's mental health. The greatest increase in stress month over month is for respondents living here in Alberta. Let that sink in. What's going on here? We are uh, still this week going to be talking to Dr. Marie-Claire Bork. Uh, She is a former professor at the Cummings School of Medicine at the University of Calgary. She's now in Toronto as uh, a psychiatrist for performance with the Toronto Maple Leafs. High performance. Uh, There are many parallels. That's tomorrow that we'll be able to chat with Dr. Bork, along with intensive care doctor, uh, Dr. Darren Markland from Edmonton. You are probably familiar with him on Twitter. Very outspoken. But today's guests, again, in just a little bit, we'll be checking in with Steve Critchley, who is the founder of uh, that Can Praxis Equine Therapy Centre here in Alberta. First, though, I want to welcome to the program Dr. Patrick Smith. He is the president and CEO of the Center of Excellence and former national CEO of the Canadian Mental Health Association. Uh, The Center for Excellence, uh, it's funded by Veterans Affairs Canada. It's located in Ottawa. It's doing great work. And Dr. Smith, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. 
tell us about some um, uh, out east. What is the biggest challenge for veterans um, that, of course, the Center for Excellence is geared toward helping? Well, thank you. And and really, it's important to um, to emphasize that while we're based and hosted at the Royal in Ottawa, we're a national program. So yes. we have our focus is really for veterans and their families across Canada. And I think really, in a nutshell, um, the you know why we, why are we a center of excellence for PTSD? Uh, we're a startup, so I think it's better to spend, to to just clarify that the federal government. Um, uh, thankfully decided that Canadian veterans and their families deserve a center of excellence on PTSD. And um, the reality is that um, over time, we're learning much more about the complexity of trauma, the complexity of PTSD, moral injury, um, and the effects of the individuals, and also the context um, of of their environment that can be a mitigating factor, mm-hmm. as well as the impact on families. And so, I think really what we're talking about is doing. You know, there's a lot of discussion about individualized medicine, and I think really what we're about is if we can better understand the complexity of PTSD and better understand the experiences, how it manifests. We also will do much better at putting together the system of service, services and supports that military veterans and their families can rely on for much more targeted uh, treatment. How does this spill over then? Uh, we've talked uh, through much of the week of what you're saying, the <clears throat> complexities of treating operational stress injuries. Our police chief on Monday alluded to the fact there's, there's no single roadmap to uh, treatment. I think what you're hinting at, though, is you're trying to still nail down a more broad treatment approach because individualized medicine costs a whole lot more, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, you know, the spillover as you're talking about, you know, what we learned very, very quickly when we were going into the pandemic and we, we were observing and, and hearing, especially from veterans themselves who, who were military veterans, with or without PTSD, and now they're in a, a helper role. Mm-hmm. They're either first responders or they're healthcare workers. It's a, it's a natural transition oh. for their careers, right? Absolutely, and a lot of peer support workers. There are a lot of gaps in services and supports for veterans and their families, and so caring members of the of the veteran community, they come back, and there's a lot of work across Canada of Canadian veterans helping Canadian veterans and Canadian family veterans' families helping spouses and, and children and others. So we heard people's, um, uh, you know, veterans with this lived experience tell us that there were a lot of parallels with what was going on with the healthcare community. Um, even a lot of the words that are used in the healthcare, like being like redeployment and everything, <laughs> the experiences that um, if you take PTSD as an operational stress injury, a lot of people automatically think about um, someone who um, might have a visceral response, a um, uh, hypervigilance from a stress-related operational stress injury, combat stress, PTSD, so that when a soldier comes home after serving, has PTSD, um, here's his... uh, wife making a smoothie and the blender turns on and he takes cover under the dining room table. I've, I've heard that story. That's how people think about PTSD often. They think about the nightmares, the flashbacks. 
But the nuances of trauma also include moral injury. For years, we've been studying moral injury and where a, a combat stress PTSD may be on the fear and anxiety and visceral response, um, automatic response to, to a trigger. Um, moral injury is something that might be much more existential, might be much more on the guilt and shame. An example would be I'm a military veteran. I was operating within my rules of engagement, but I had to sit by and bear witness to things that were out of my control because of my rules of engagement. I think this this um, is really what takes us into into medicine, right? And even policing and firefighting is this moral injury uh, that these frontline workers are facing. Is that right, Dr. Smith? I mean... The the day-to-day decisions that a nurse is having to make, the second-to-second decisions that a a paramedic is making, um, in a translation of what you've been working with veterans to our other frontline workers, what is the biggest challenge in sort of adopting the best practices from Mm -hmm. treating those from the military to other frontline workers? Well, I think the first thing that we need to recognize is it's not that, hey, there will be some people that are going to be less resilient, and so they're going to then have moral injury or PTSD on the other side of this pandemic. If we actually think about it that way, it can kind of be victim blaming. It can kind of be waiting and watching the train wreck happen. So we worked with Phoenix, Australia who is the Center of Excellence on PTSD in Canada, and we rapidly synthesized the information of everything we learned about veterans in military context. We rapidly applied it to the, um, the healthcare context, and so www.moralinjuryguide.ca is our syn- synthesis of all of that information with very clear recommendations at the organizational level, team level, an individual level that applies specific to healthcare workers. Um, and I think the most important thing is, it's easy for us to jump to the conclusion of um, you're a doctor or a nurse and you have 10 patients that need a ventilator and only three ventilators. That's a moral dilemma. Right. And that, those are the ones that are most obvious. But what we're learning is two things. One is um, most trauma, SWAT, um, kind of mass unit kind of um, exercises are short-lived. Everyone can buckle up and do what they need to do to deal with a bus crash or a plane crash or um, some kind of accident. You go into um, this, in some ways people call it a paramilitary approach, and then it's over. So one of the things we have to recognize is the sustained uh, demands on the healthcare system that this has been prolonged. This is like bus crash after bus crash right. after plane crash. And and here's the thing. Yes, those those um, very clear moral dilemmas are happening. But also day to day to day, you're also seeing what about the nurse who's um, understands very clearly the rules of engagement and all the reasons why um, a COVID patient cannot have their family visiting to, to keep from transmission of the of the virus yep. but the third or fourth or 30th time you've been the person that's holding a phone out right. as the conduit between a dying covid patient and their family um, what we're recognizing is that's not for the one person who might have challenges with that we need to put in supports to recognize every single 
healthcare workers, uh, mental health challenges, or mental health is being challenged. And we need to put in supports for everyone and not waiting for people to raise their hands, say they need, they need help. Dr. Smith, um, I can say I've learned an incredible amount in our short time together today. Uh, MoralInjury.ca. Um, something new to me. Moralinjuryguide.ca. All right. Uh, Dr. Smith, thank you for taking your time with us. Uh, much appreciated. Uh, after the break, we will be speaking with Steve Critchley, who is the founder of Can Praxis Equine Therapy here in Alberta. Uh, you're doing great work, Dr. Smith. Thank you so much. We're back after the break. You're listening to Mental Health on the Front Lines on 770 CHQR. I wanted to give that website uh, from Dr. Smith one more time. Uh, it is moralinjuryguide.ca. A uh, quick peek at it in the break and just an absolute uh, wealth of information on uh, on his work and the, and the work that's being done and the awareness that is coming to uh, for those in the front lines and, uh, and mental health. Uh, now joining us, Steve Critchley. He's a Canadian military veteran. He is the founder of Can Praxis Equine Therapy, just north of Calgary. Steve, good, mo- good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. Uh, thank you very much, Jordan, for the invite. Uh, Steve, we, we did speak with uh, the psychologist on duty uh, with Can Praxis, Shauna Prinsloo, earlier this week. And uh, she had just some, a great take on why equine therapy is so beneficial, uh, what horses do for folks, especially those with um, uh, operational stress injuries. Uh, just take us quickly through the program. What does it look like there at Can Praxis? Well, one of the things about can practice is we understand how complex uh, this injury is, just like you heard Dr. Smith talk about it. And we also understand that this injury will bring conflict and crisis into your everyday life. It's going to derail things rather dramatically. So the focus of the program, working with the horses, is to help people relearn how to have at least one effective conversation a day with the person that's most important to them, specifically their spouse or partner or family member. And it's, it's these animals and their unique characteristics and the scientific evidence that goes with it that shows it is possible to overcome these injuries in a positive way. Uh, as Dr. Smith said, uh, this is, and, and you're alluding at too, this is something that affects the whole family, um, operational stress injuries, and, and that is just it. Your program is that which is inclusive of uh, that person with the injury and their spouse. Very much so. Um, you can't operate and live in total isolation. We know that this injury has the potential to be fatal. We also understand the first aspect that needs to be treated is the ability to have that effective conversation. Focusing on that, we bring in the person that's most important to the injured person, and sometimes they're both injured, and we help them. So often we're asked, you know, what are we doing to help the children? And we'll say to them right up front, the best way to help the kids right now is to help the parents first. Well, now you allude to kids, though. And um, I I do know that, uh, you know, you and I have spoken uh, prior to this program, and I do know that uh, there's a few things you're trying to work forward. And and really, that is it. Uh, People know me. I always try and offer my voice to uh, those folks that are doing great work in our province. And that is just you. You're trying to expand the program to to include children that are in a a family with uh, an operational stress injury? And that's correct. As a, a national program, we bring participants to us regardless of where they reside in this country. So we go from coast to coast to coast. 
And we've heard from our past participants, our alumni, that they very much want to come back with their children. So we're in the process of working with child psychologists, social workers, etc., to create the next component where participants will return for a couple of days with their kids. And we have to ensure that we've got the program designed specifically to help the kids understand the complexities of this injury without overwhelming them as well. Long story short, what we're trying to do is give uh, families encountering these injuries real hope. So uh, your center it has, um, in trying to cater that and, and bring that hope back to a family, it has focused on providing that for veterans of the military. Uh, you've done that since 2013. Uh, more recently, you have at times seen uh, members of the RCMP come and uh, take part in the three-phase program as well. Uh, is it a process that is translatable here? We're spending the whole week uh, talking about frontline workers. Uh, do you foresee that you'll have a nurse and uh, their spouse and possibly their kids out to the centre for the program, uh, a doctor or, or a firefighter? Yes, we're streamlining the program so that we are able to provide programs uniquely for the veteran community, for the first responder community, and now the healthcare worker community. They're facing challenges and trials that were not expected, and now they're encountering the injuries, and we feel we're set up in a way that's going to be able to benefit them moving forward. The sooner we're able to help people with this injury, the sooner they regain their lives and their families. So no knock uh, against um, other centers across the country. Again, as Dr. Smith said, um, funded by Veteran Affairs Canada, but the Center of Excellence is doing fantastic things. This is a team effort. This isn't, hey, we've got the best program, uh, don't go there, come here, or any such thing. Uh, so many pro- programs like yours um, and, and that work which is being done at the Center for uh, Center of Excellence in Ottawa uh, that are just trying to treat folks. Um you do, free of charge, bring um, those who have the injury and their spouse into Alberta, uh, free of charge. It is all at, uh, at the program cost, not to the folks coming. And um, that expansion, you're really just looking to take your expertise and, and help other folks. I always, when I get involved with things, I, I, I want to drive people to really get involved. Talk is cheap and, and action is something. So really, Steve, tell us how people can help out. Uh, this is my one call to action for folks this week. We want to have great conversations all week about the, the difficulties on the front lines and the great things that are being done, Can Praxis being one. But what, what is the look forward for Can Praxis and how can people get involved? Well, as you mentioned, we understand we're just one part of the solution. One program with CanPraxis is not going to be enough, so we're very happy to network and work with other programs, such as the Center of Excellence. People need to work together with these programs. And with that, as a charity, we very much uh, appreciate corporate and private uh, donors. Uh, we've had, you know, anything from like uh, Timbertown and Calgary donate to Red Friday organization in Ontario trying to support us. So it's working with private funders, uh, corporate sponsors and such that can help us ensure these programs are available for those who need it most. Canpraxis.com is uh, the website. Uh, you guys are on social media. 
And uh, yeah, I do challenge people if there's if there's one thing they can check out today, uh, that it be Ken Praxis to perhaps a way that uh, folks can can help financially. Because Steve, I know personally uh, that you guys are doing uh, great things. So please continue to do the great work. And thanks for joining us this afternoon. Thanks very much for hosting this special this week. Uh, much admiration. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Steve. Uh, tomorrow's program, again, 3 p.m., Dr. Marie-Claire Bork. She's the head of mental health and peak performance with the Toronto Maple Leafs. She's also a consulting psychiatrist at the Centre for Addiction and Mental Health. And Dr. Darren Markland, he's an intensive care physician and nephrologist at the Royal Alex in Edmonton. Boy, has he been vocal on social media these past few months about what the ICU really looks like these days. It's going to be an impactful conversation tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Uh, This has been Mental Health on the Front Lines. I'm Jordan Witzel on 770 CHQR. I know now we're moving uh, to the daily provincial briefing uh, from Dr. Dina Hinshaw. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.